0: Welcome to Please Fix Things, a podcast where we analyze and reflect on the bizarre trends surrounding young adults today. Hi, I'm Raj Parekh, And I'm Sanchit Wathawan. And we're just two young professionals who sleep in, don't diet, don't have a side hustle, and don't have travel
1: recommendations for you. And we're doing totally okay. If you're like us and you feel drained by the fads, norms, and ideas defining our culture today. Come join us as we try to make sense of the forces taking a toll on our well-being and give our take on how to fix them. Welcome to our second episode of Please Fix Things. Today, we're talking about the rise and proliferation of professional certifications. To give you a quick rundown of how this episode will go, we're going to start with an opening email. Think of it like an email that you might get from your boss or somebody at work laying out a problem that they want you to fix. And then after that, we're going to have a response detailing the problems, giving our perspective on what we see as the issue with these certifications, and laying out some potential solutions. And then Raj and I are going to discuss sort of how we got here and where we want to go in the future. So with that, Raj, take it away. Dear Sanchez, let's face it. It is nearly
0: impossible to get into MIT. And even if you do, it is incredibly expensive and exceedingly hard to graduate which is precisely what makes an MIT degree prestigious. However, what these prestigious universities or degrees fail at is meeting the new and changing demands for modern skill sets that are required from the workforce entering the job market every year. This is precisely what has led to the creation and rise of tertiary education providers such as Coursera, Inside Sherpa, Power MBA, etc., who have focused their entire business model on offering thousands of personalized, skill-based courses and certifications at a seemingly fraction of the cost of going to a traditional university. With the proliferation of these nanodegrees and certifications, we have no objective way to measure accountability and knowledge gain. This leads to two problems. First, the rise in bogus certifications, and second, an increase in the commodification of quote-unquote experts in any given field. As we move towards a working environment where more and more people are coming in with a kilogram of online certifications, we have to find an innovative way to identify the certifications that would truly help you in the workplace versus the ones forced upon you by means of peer pressure.
1: Please fix, thanks. So let's isolate the problem here. We aren't saying that you have to go to college or that self-teaching or certifications aren't an effective way to gain valuable employable skills. The real issue is with countless learning methods and certification programs, it's increasingly difficult to sort through which ones are real and which ones are fake. Really, the root cause of this problem is one of rising information asymmetry. There's a verified base level of skill that you can safely assume that someone with a college degree or a professional certification has, but that isn't the case now with the credentials of many self-designated experts. One big issue with the increase in certifications is that pretty much every professional in their field has to have one or even multiple to be competitive. This places a lot of pressure on employees and job seekers to the point where they feel like they have to pay for these online courses or fast track certificates if they want to advance in their career. Certification mills like Inside Sherpa and others prey on this trend, extracting thousands of dollars from people striving to credentialize themselves. We need to devalue these types of flimsy certificate courses and center our focus on only those industry specific ones that matter. We should also make meaningful certifications like the CPA or skill specific ones like AWS more accessible to people by lowering the cost of the materials and the exam so they don't feel compelled to look to one of the other fake courses out there. We want knowledge and education to continue to become more accessible and for people to have the opportunity to gain new skills and knowledge, but we need a better way of knowing what certifications are worthwhile and of understanding people's true level of mastery in different skills.
0: And that's so true, sachit. I think you hit the nail on the head. We really have to move away from the rise of scam certifications and you know try to focus our attention towards the good apples in the market, right as as economics of asymmetrical information would put it. But that really begs the question, how did we get here? You know, how do we get to a point where something that was supposed to make education more accessible, has led to a market full of scam artists.
1: Right. And if you think about it, right, this problem of rise of certifications, I feel like it's a pretty recent phenomenon, right? Like, I don't think 50 or 60 years ago, you had anywhere near as many potential professional credentials that you could obtain as you could now, right? So let's talk about how we got to the situation that we're seeing today, right? So yeah, I think we can take a pass at explaining sort of the way we see there's four levels or tiers of credentials out there, right? So like the first Mm -hmm. one is college degrees, right? Right. Like actual degrees, you go to school for four years or two years and you come out of it with like a piece of paper that says like, I have a degree in like finance or computer science or something. And anybody looking at that can pretty much know exactly what's up exactly where you've been and what your background is.
0: Correct. But the regular drawbacks of that were, you know, it's very expensive, right? It takes four years as opposed to two hours on a video. And even after going to a college, you know, there is a differentiating factor between the time of education you receive, like how good your professor was, right? So there are too many variables that you can't necessarily control for yourself, right? And that brings us to some sort of a standard structure, which is our second tier.
1: Right, exactly. So, you know, because there's hundreds of different colleges out there and each college has their own curriculum and their classes, Mm -hmm. we came up with these other certifications of ways to sort of standardize the knowledge that people entering various industries have, right? So think about Mm -hmm. like your CPA, right? You take 150 hours of college credit and you come and sit for this exam and it's a very standardized structure. And after you take the four parts, you get this certification that says like, I am now a CPA and that holds weight.
0: Yep, absolutely. But again, we saw, you know, we started seeing similar perils in terms of their drawbacks, right? Number one, it was still a long process, right? As you said, 150 credit hours. Uh, For example, another certification that comes to mind is the CFA, right? It takes three levels and two years of job experience to be a CFA holder, charter holder, right? And also across the board, right? Google Cloud, AWS, SAP, all these certifications are still really expensive, right? So typically their employer pays for it, but if you're trying to pay for it out of pocket, you know, you're looking at a cost that almost matches the, you know, the cost of a, of a state university.
1: Yeah, exactly, right? So then the real issues with these certifications are still, it's kind of expensive. There's, you know, sort of a high bar to get these certifications and they're not the most accessible to people, especially if you, mm-hmm. you know, don't want to or aren't able to go to college. Yep. So then, you know, with the rise of the internet era, we saw these things called MOOCs or Massive Open Online Courses, mm-hmm. where there's no certifications attached to these courses. It's just people with videos explaining concepts to you. So, like, mm-hmm. think about like Khan Academy, right? Back in the day, where you oh, used to just like, in high
0: school for sure. Sad, yeah, sad. <laughs>
1: every, everyone under the age of thirty probably can <laughs> think some combination of Khan Academy or some some dude on YouTube for teaching them. Oh, yeah. you know, various classes they needed to graduate from high school or college, right? Mm-hmm. But we really saw this democratization of education after that, right? Like it's another level on top of the old adage of like, why pay hundred and fifty thousand dollars for a college degree when you can just go to the library and read textbooks and that was that scene in Goodwill hunting where I think he said like you could. For a dollar fifty in late fees, right? You can get the equivalent of a college education. And now it's like with three hours of videos, you can pretty much learn anything you want, right?
0: Right. And then another thing with this was you know, this was knowledge only, right? And most of it was used as a supplemental aid, right? Like no one takes a course on Khan Academy, downloads some sort of a certificate and takes it to his or her seventh grade teacher and says, "Hey, pass me in this class because I passed on Khan Academy. right So again, it's it's not meant to completely replace or substitute what you're learning necessarily in college or high school, it's meant as you're aiding and understanding, your general understanding of that concept.
1: Yeah, exactly, right? It was meant meant to be a supplement to formal education. But then our last category, and the one we really want to spend time on today, are what we're calling vague certifications. And these, I feel like, are really meant to replace formal education in a lot of ways, right? Like this is part of your, think about like your Coursera certifications or things where you can go online and say like, I took a 10-hour Excel bootcamp, they hand you a piece of paper at the end of it, and you get to toss it on your LinkedIn, or then you get to put a line on your resume and say, I know Excel now.
0: Right. Which is interesting because if you go to Coursera right now and type, you know, Excel bootcamps, there are more than 400 options that pop up across, you know, so many universities and individual creators. Now, how do you know, first of all, which one of them is for real and which one of them, you know, has some sort of measurable outcomes? And then second, how do you know if someone's taking it actually has learned something from it, right? Versus someone just who just like binged Netflix on the side uh, and also took that Coursera course on another Google tab?
1: Yeah, exactly, right. So I mean, I think we would both agree, right, that it is possible to learn pretty much any concept you want outside of the four walls of the classroom today, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But these, with the rise of certifications, it becomes harder and harder to ask answer the question like, how do you prove to somebody that you know something, especially when you don't have a formal degree in that subject area.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this part about having, you know, a formal degree in that subject area is precisely what the certifications, you know, explored a lot of, right? That was the original target market uh, of these certification providers, right? Uh, that, hey, you know, we understand that college is not so accessible, right? Uh, college is typically expensive. And also, maybe you just need to learn or, you know, hone your skills in one subject area and not take a bunch of, Gen Eds to get there, right? And that was really appealing. So they, you know, brought everything down to the level of a single course, right? So it was now on a course by course basis. Uh, but then what you see is the incumbents were replaced by most of the scam artists that we see today. For example, Power MBA and Sherpa, that say, "Hey, take this thing. Also pay us a thousand dollars for it, and at the end of it, we'll give you a certificate with someone's logo on it."
1: Yeah, exactly. So I think before that, if you want to take a step, you know, pre. Uh, scam artist certifications, you first, I would say it really started with the rise of tech companies Mm -hmm. sort of coming in and saying, hey, like you don't need to spend four years in college if you know how to code or if you know how to develop or if you know like XYZ skills that we really need right now, like we can give you a job without it, right? I think Google is really famous for that. And there have been companies that have come together and put together nano degrees, right? Where you have yeah. you know companies that come together with i think stanford is a famous example of this right yeah, so the where the university
0: is now completely based out of stanford right and that's the that's the good apple example that we want to give right so now the nano degree is officially recognized right by the industry as something that would help you achieve you know, some sort of credibility when you go for an interview, right, for full stack development or, you know, basic data science, right? And now it was it was the best example of a public-private partnership because the companies came together, you know, flushed out the curriculum and worked with Udacity to provide that curriculum and say, okay, these are the outcomes that we want from the candidates taking your nanodegrees. And if you meet that, right, and if the candidates even like, let's say, a high school graduate, we'll take them for an interview. So that's like the best case scenario that we saw with the certifications and that's probably the only case where it met its true objective, right? Of making education accessible to all.
1: Yeah, exactly, right? So you had these nano degrees that came up and people looked at those and said, "You know what? Like instead of having real companies in the industry like, you know, your Googles and your Apples and also esteemed established universities like your Stanford's mm-hmm. come together and do this like we can just put together packages of certification courses and give people uh, you know, sort of the right to call themselves an expert or in whatever field that we want to give you certifications in. Right. And let them know that they're qualified for these jobs. Right. So I feel like it started with like actual companies and universities pioneering these like shorter certification courses. Right. And then from there, people saw this opportunity to expand on that and get away from like the original core goal of it. Right.
0: Right. And as we think about why this expansion happened, I think one factor that I can attribute to it is this constant need to always get certified in something. And I'm not sure if you felt it, but I definitely felt it after I joined uh, the workforce, right? Like you would have someone or the other come up to you and say, Hey, this is the new hot certification on the market for what you're trying to do. You got to go get it. And then you would go and see the price tag and sometimes it would be in you know four digits and your company wouldn't sponsor it. But well, then somehow you were forced into this corner where, you know, if you don't have the certification, you might think to yourself, am I good enough for this job? Is this sort of a requirement? My employer hasn't said anything. It's kind of vague. Now, what do I do here? Right. So there's a lot of open room for discussion that, that never, you know, the employer never gets to hear it and the employee might end up making the wrong choice and picking up the certification.
1: Oh, exactly. Yeah, And do you want to give a couple examples of, of certifications that fall into this category?
0: For sure. So I would say, for example, you know, AWS, right? For example, AWS fundamentals, which is great, right? I feel like any employer that is trying to move to the cloud should probably push for, you know, every of its employees to, to take it. And it's great. But then there has to be some sort of a distinction between, OK, where do I stop? Because if you look at all the learning pathways of AWS, Right. It's made by Amazon. So clearly, you know, you know what they're doing. You know, you, you have a set of measurable outcomes. But in this case, you can go on taking certifications with AWS forever, ideally, right? There's more than 40 options. So, where do you draw the line? That's a place where employers should step in and say, hey, listen, in order to be, you know, adept and in order to be upskilled at this job, these are the three you got to take. And don't worry about these seven ones. Uh, and I think. That fine line that we have to draw in the sand, that's kind of missing right now, which forces people to think, okay, maybe I can't get the AWS one because maybe it's expensive on my own, right? But there's this other one on Coursera by this independent creator that will apparently give me a certificate at the end of it with an Amazon tag on it, which is a hundred bucks. So I should probably go do it. But maybe that has no objective outcomes attached to it.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. And I just want to say like, you're speaking from experience, right? With your AWS fundamentals, right? Because you actually went in and did that. Mm Mm-hmm. I think you're totally right with that establishment of there's so many certifications and there's so much like sort of pressure to continue getting certified in various skills that are hot and sort of chase the chase the job market a little bit Mm -hmm. that you really do see this rise of um, courses. But I think even more than that, right, is it's unclear which courses are valuable and which ones aren't right. Like you mentioned, even with AWS, there's like. 40 potential certifications that you can get. And I'm sure there's some level of sequencing where there's ones that are more basic than others. But like, if you're not directly getting it for the job you have now, like how do you know which ones you need, right? And I think that also contributes to the space that we're seeing with the rise of these sort of mill certifications that you see.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that that creates a, a secondary problem, right? And, you know, because there's this mismatch between The objectively determined outcomes of a given certification uh, versus like the level of actual difficulty that coursework has, right? Now, if you're a recruiter, you're going to have a hard time sifting through the candidates who are seemingly, you know, the same on paper, right? For example, who's to say that uh, Excel bootcamp from Udemy versus an Excel bootcamp on Coursera, was at the same level or not? They could be at totally different levels, right? But since we don't have that sort of hierarchy in place that tells us, like, if this was a beginner level course or intermediate level course, right now, the recruiter is having a hard time figuring out, you know, who can uh, confidently apply for this job and do good in the interview.
1: Yeah, and I think on that level, it's worth noting that there are some certificate classes that you can take on these online courses that. We'll give you something you can put on your LinkedIn or share on your resume that are like laughably easy to complete. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. there's <laughs> there are some that are like three hours and the whole course is like a very basic intro to something like Visio or it's a really basic like how to a, communicate with people.
0: Yeah, there's a course for that. Can you believe oh, it? Oh,
1: of course. Yeah. So like those versus the ones that are like maybe 50 hours long and also build themselves as an intro course. Mm-hmm. I think are also you know confusing to a lot of people as well.:
0: Yeah, definitely. I think this is exactly the space where these sort of you know mill certifications play at, right? Because they know there's this, first of all, there's an insecurity within an individual who doesn't really know how many certifications are enough, right? And what are the true uh, you know upskilling moments that that the individual needs to be relevant in the workplace. And then on the other side, you know, the universities obviously have a mismatch between like the you know the latest and the greatest trends that are needed from the workforce and the ones that are teaching their coursework. So like that's the middle ground that they play really good at and say, for example, like I would take the example of Power MBA, 15 minutes of learning per day, pay us 850 bucks and the end of three
1: years, you get your online MBA. So for those of those of you who aren't aware, and I think Raj, you introduced me to this like a week ago. Mm-hmm. I had never heard of this, but. Go to, quote, thepowermba.com. It bills itself as you have the ability to learn from founders and top executives of Tesla, Airbnb, and Netflix. And its tagline is the first real alternative to an MBA. And no, but hold on, through. Hold on.
0: that was a co-founder of Tesla I thought it was just Elon Musk what happened yeah, to it's, that
1: it's some dude from Tesla who's not Elon Musk and it's also some dude from wow. Netflix who's not Reed Hastings and okay. yeah exactly, exactly. Like, <laughs> like nobody knows these people I've never heard of these people and the the tagline is the first real alternative to an MBA wow. and it is a practical and up to date online program with 250 plus classes that are fifteen minutes in local communities all around the world, open to anybody that wants to thrive in business. Like, who doesn't want to thrive in business, right? We're all trying to thrive. Everyone, in business.
0: Everyone's a hustler. So right? Everyone wants to
1: hustle. It's great, right? Super, super crisp website. Like, it has a link to a Forbes article that called, yeah. that claims it's quote a new standard in business education. And you click on it, and it's their own paid advertisement that they paid <laughs> to put on Forbes. Like, it literally says paid program, and it's like this, like. Thousand word article detailing how amazing their program is, and oh by the way, it costs eight hundred and fifty dollars.
0: That's great. And how many months is this? It's like thirty six months or something like that, right?
1: Yeah, it's like three years, but it's like fifteen minutes a day. You know what I mean? So it's like wow. you can do this like than my meditation break. in the morning. That's or sorry, true. no, it's it's approximately ten months. Oh, okay, ten months. All right. Yeah, and the right? revolutionary science or method is based on scientifically backed micro learning.
0: Micro learning. That's, that's very interesting that they mentioned that because, again, see, this is exactly how they're playing on the modern day insecurities of people, right? We know we have a shorter attention span you know, every year moving forward, but that does not necessarily correlate to everything could be shifted online, specifically degrees. Uh, and the ones that are, you know, no one goes to an MBA thinking I would get a worse off job than the one I had before. And I don't think any recruiter will take this power MBA seriously when, you know, someone applies as a candidate versus someone who's done an actual MBA. Like, clearly there's a differentiation here. But the sad part is there there are hundreds of people, if not thousands, who are taking this, who are doing this right now as we speak and thinking that this was going to lead them to a better more fulfilling career.
1: This is also going back to the promise of like, oh, you don't need a college degree to advance in life, right? Mm-hmm. Anymore like that sort of paradigm is shifting again, where it's like, oh, there's so many other ways to get an education. Like why waste time and money on college? Here, come do our thing instead.
0: Right. So I guess the way we can summarize these vague certifications uh, is, you know, A, for the the creators that are, you know, clearly in the business of exploiting and not really knowledge sharing. It's a cash grab for that, right? It's a cash grab opportunity. Oh, Side of the candidates, right, is just adding another line to their resume in in the hopes that they would, you know, it would help them stand out in the job market.
1: And yeah, that's exactly. Because because you have this sort of insecurity of like, I want better career outcomes for myself. I want to be doing something that's going to advance my career. And I think we saw a lot of this right in the summer of 2020 with the COVID-19 mm-hmm. pandemic, keeping a lot of people at home. Right, there are a lot of you know kids in college who couldn't have internships that might have otherwise had internships or at one point unemployment was like 10 plus percent and people were getting laid off and everyone was looking for things that they could do to make themselves more competitive and more employable and use their summer well and i think that really led to a greater demand for these other certification courses right like they're, you're starting to see so many more people say like hey i want to learn this skill or i want to learn that skill and these sort of cash grab you know scam companies look at that and say here's an opportunity to, to to target kids looking for internships, right? Like
0: Right. So that was interesting because we did see a lot of that pop up, you know, especially in the European region where it was like, okay, you couldn't get into a top investment banking internship program. So here you go. You were going to offer a fully virtual investment banking internship, right? By the way, the coursework was how to write an email to your manager, how to outperform the market, how to understand financial information, right? And then they said, okay, well, now at the end of this video lecture for 10 weeks that you just did, if you want X company's logo on your certificate, pay us X percent of money, right? Pay us like $1,000. If you want, you know, a a lower tier company on your certificate, pay us like $500, right? So that was clearly a cash grab opportunity. And I'm not sure how the students felt about that at the end of that course.
1: The biggest red flag, right? Where if you're like 18 or 19 or 20, you might not really know is if it's an internship and it's legit, you should be the one getting paid, right? Like you shouldn't be paying people, you know, for any real legitimate internship opportunity. But that's sort of the direction the money moved in this case. And it was was pretty clear to I think anyone looking at it where it was like, okay, like this is really shady that's happening. But again, you have a lot of college kids this summer who are sitting at home, not able to do a full 10 week internship because Uh of of the pandemic. And I think a lot of them bit on something like this because it really does make their resume at first glance look competitive going into, you know, their senior year where they're trying to land a big time job.
0: Absolutely. So now that we have talked about, you know, all those shortcomings, and it seems like there are a lot of similar parallels between the shortcomings of a traditional university and the ones of these vague certifications as we see them right now, right? As of September 2020. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about how to fix it. You know, what's what's your first take?
1: It's, it's interesting that you bring up the parallels between the drawbacks of a university and the drawbacks of the certification, right? Like nobody would argue that like the pro of a university is that you have the backing and name of a reputable institution behind your experience and your degree, right? Mm-hmm. But you don't really have that with these brand new certifications. That's right. I think the the promise of these was we can make education and skills more accessible for all, mm-hmm. right? So I think the first way to fix it is to to decrease the price and cost of a lot of these certifications that you're seeing mm-hmm. and increase the accessibility of materials and knowledge to people that want to pursue these skills.
0: Got it. So when you talk about decreasing the price and cost, are you saying there should be, let's say like a share, right? So the cost should be shared between the employer and the employee, but what if like someone's temporarily unemployed and trying to get upskilled, you know, in that sense, what can that person do?
1: Yeah. So, and that, I think that brings me to my second point too, is we need to devalue how we see people with a ton of certifications and really value um, sort of experience, both like educational experience and job experience in a given mm-hmm. field, right? So, like, if you're sitting unemployed and you want to, like, say, learn Python, right, which is a really hot skill in the tech industry, or to know how to code, and you can do Python projects in your fa- like spare time. And like, when you're going into a recruiting process, like, having projects lined up that you can share with recruiters to show your ability, I think would be way more valuable than feeling the need to go on Coursera and pay like, for, you know, a certificate degree from a class that a university put together on Python.
0: Right. And that's such a crucial point that people have, you know, seemingly missed out on, right? The whole point of the certification is to make the learning component accessible to everyone, right? So as long as you have an internet connection, and a laptop, you can learn, which means you don't necessarily need to pay 100 bucks to get that certificate at the end, you could just take that learning and build your own project to demonstrate that you have understood the concepts. And that's probably like, you know, A, a talking point for your interview because now you have something tangible, practical that you've taken up yourself. And B, you saved a hundred bucks to, to avoid a PDF copy of something that says you passed a quiz.
1: And I think the second point too, and, and you you brought this up between the cost sharing between employers and employees, <laughs> I think the certifications that really matter, um, in industries, I think we should expect employers to be willing to pay for them, right. For Mm -hmm. their employees. Mm -hmm. And you kind of already see this, right. I think like the majority of people that I know who have their CPA got their employers to pay for it. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I know like our experiences with, um, getting SAP certifications or AWS certifications, like Mm -hmm. we didn't pay for those. Our employers decided like, Hey, it would be really valuable for our employees to have these skills, have this knowledge, so we'll subsidize it. And I think that really is a really good signal for which credentials are meaningful and valuable and which ones aren't, right? Like if you're willing to pay, if no employer, for instance, is willing to pay $850 for you to get a (laughs) quote power MBA, probably not worth it. And you shouldn't be willing to pay for it either. It would fall apart by
0: itself because there will be nobody signing up for the course.
1: Yeah. And, and and the counterpoint that I've always heard is like, oh, if I do the certification on my own, then I'll be more marketable to employers, you know, mm-hmm. who don't have to pay for that certification. But really, it's like, you know, you took your AWS certification, right? Like you're not necessarily an expert in AWS now, right? I
0: know me. It's just, you know, supposed to be a basic understanding of terms and in, in a glossary and, you know, understanding how these different pieces of the puzzle work at the high level, right? That's right. what the first certification is always about. No one is claiming to be a technical administrative expert at AWS after the fundamentals course.
1: Yeah. But if I, if I want to hire you to do something in the AWS space, I'm not going to hire you just based on your certification, right? I'm probably going to hire you because I'm looking at your holistic resume and saying, all right, here's a smart guy who has a background in development and in tech and computer science, and oh, he has an interest and passion for learning this stuff. I could hire him. Or you look at the flip side and say, Hey, this guy has actual tangible experience in AWS and that's what I'm looking for. Right. Yeah, I think having some guy who's like not experienced in a field and just like paid for himself to get a certification isn't as valuable.
0: I fully agree with you. And I think it, it also ties back to our point with the recruiters. I think if employers actively publicize, you know, the certifications that they value and they think it's most relevant to the workplace and to the industry and to the job roles that they're trying to offer and, you know, actively devalue the ones they don't, it just makes everybody's job, you know, a lot easier.
1: Yeah, exactly, right? And and this goes back to the the beginning of the certification stuff, right? With the nano degrees where Google and Apple literally laid out like here are the ABC skills that we would like our applicants to know if they want to apply anything else they get is on their own. Like yeah. I think if we saw more of that from employers in other industries, there would be way less confusion and people who are trying to break into industries that have a much more focused idea of the certifications and degrees and skills they need to pursue and avoid paying these like scam artists money to, to say that they have a skill when they might not.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And I guess that brings us to our second, you know, broader theme of solutions. And that is to standardize, you know, these, these categories of outcomes across all the courses that we see, right? So coming back to our point of there are more than 470 results on Coursera for intro to Excel, right? now. Just like how we have it in college, where we have you know, 100 for beginner level, you know, 200 for intermediate, 300 for advanced, 400 is graduate, so on and so forth, and you know, it might slightly vary depending on which, depending on which college you went to. Um, but we can have something similar, right? Coursera, Udemy, edX can come together and figure out, okay, first of all, let's remove all the duplicates. We don't need three courses in Excel by the same university from three different years. And number two, for the ones that are out there, all right, let's figure out what the you know, syllabus is, right? and give them a tag. Is it beginner? Is it intermediate? Is it advanced? And instead of putting, you know, the university's logo on the certificate, we could rather have that tag on the certificate. So it just makes it easier for people to have visibility into, okay, you took this course on Coursera and this is your level. So this is the, you know, this is the standard set of outcomes that I expect you to know versus, you know, taking a big guesswork of saying, okay, you took one from Coursera, one from edX, one from LinkedIn Learning, which one of these will teach you how to use VLOOKUP, right? It just takes the guesswork out. All right, so to wrap up our thoughts, you know, one or two sentence quick take on everything we've just talked about today. Sanjit, go for it.
1: I think it's really good for people to look to these online courses and online classes as a way of demonstrating their interest in a given area and show that they're willing to learn things. But I think also it's becoming harder and harder to know what courses and certifications are worth doing and which ones aren't, right? Even in a world where all we have are professional certifications, like you're still constantly reading the market and trying to figure out, okay, X area within um, this industry is really hot. I'm going to try to learn something about it versus like, oh, this area is kind of like winding down and isn't the future. And it's being compounded with all these, you know, people coming in and saying, hey, we know you don't have time for a real degree like just spend 30 minutes with us every day, pay us like a thousand dollars and we'll get you what you need, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that if we focus on having people learn things for their own sake and de-emphasize certifications, it's gonna cut down on a lot of the market for these potential scam artists and it's gonna reduce a lot of stress for actual professionals.
0: Very well said. And I guess my final wrap of thoughts on this would be, you know, we are going to see an increase in micro learning, right? That's basically the space that these certifications play in. And, you know, if we can have an app like, let's say Blinkist that just basically condenses the most important information from all these, you know, nonfiction books into 15 minutes of audio and it can have like a community of 13 million listeners, then it's it's no surprise that education will have a sort of similar way, right? It will have to adapt to our ever-shortening attention spans and and adapt to this concept of microlearning. And I think we have to find that balance between having too much gatekeeping in that transition and having too much accountability. Uh, and at the end, we should know that again, these certifications play a crucial role in terms of being a supplemental aid in learning or in some cases, upskilling right, in the workforce. And we should treat them as such with some sort of standardized outcomes and remove this sort of gray area or gray market space so that there are more good apples and less bad apples.
1: 100% agree with you there, Raj.
0: Well, then this has been it. We wrap up our second episode of Please Fix Things. Next week, we'll come back and talk about the get-rich-quick schemes. All right, see you next week, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of Please Fix Things. I'm Raj Parikh.
1: And I'm Sanjay Howard. If you liked what you heard, we would really appreciate it if you could rate, subscribe, and tell your friends about us. Toss us on your Facebook feed, send us to your boss, or post this episode on your LinkedIn page and tag some people just to see what happens. We don't really care, just spread this around. You should also check out our website, pleasefixthanks.com for all of our episodes and latest updates. If you want to tell us how we took the words right out of your
0: mouth, or have suggestions for future podcasts, Drop us a note at posts at pleasefixthangs.com. We hope to catch you next time. See ya.